This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. The purpose of writing is to be something useful, a background presence in your life to fall into, to fall back on, a guide to using expressive writing to achieve health and happiness, linking the fields of expressive writing and positive psychology in a new and dynamic way. This book provides a practical guide for both the general reader and mental health professionals. The techniques provided are based on psychological principles, but also on the author's own knowledge and experience. It is for anyone who wants to use writing to enhance their creativity and their sense of well-being, health, resilience, and happiness, whether personally or in a workshop or classroom setting. Valeria Tellez interviews Patricia McAdoo, the author of Five Ways to Better Days, a compendium of writing and other wellness practices. Patricia McAdoo is a clinical psychologist who began her career working in adult and child mental health services in Ireland and the UK. From very early in her career, Patricia developed a special interest in mental health promotion having completed an MSc in Strategy and Resource Management, Patricia began working as an organizational psychologist. Having also completed an MA in writing, she developed a practice as an expressive writing practitioner working in the field of cancer support services. She currently works as an expert psychologist and coach in the field of well-being and mental health. She is also the author of Writing for Better Well-Being, published by Karash Press, 2013. Her new book, Five Ways to Better Days, was published in 2019. Her lifelong passion is how we can foster positive mental health as a society and as individuals. She lives with her family on the west coast of Ireland. Meet Patricia at patriciamcadoo.ie. Here is the interview with Patricia McAdoo. In your own words, who is Patricia McAdoo? In work terms, I'm a psychologist. I was a clinical psychologist for many years and then went into writing therapy uh, and worked in that field for a long time. And I suppose throughout my career and my life uh, as well, I've been really interested in well-being and, you know, what makes for a good life. 
um, and what uh, fosters me- strong mental well-being and resilience. So that's been a theme in my work, but it's also been something that I've been personally interested in. And I suppose in terms of the things that I write about in my book, I also um, try to implement that on a day to day basis in my own life. So it's kind of like personal experimentation Mm -hmm. (laughs) with what I also know to be true psychologically. Um, I'm Irish. You can probably tell that from my accent. So Mm -hmm. I live on the west coast of Ireland. Um, I'm a wife, mother, um, lover of nature, whatever. (laughs) That's about it, really. That sort of describes me. What insights have you gained from the events in 2020? Yeah, that's a great question. I suppose it's sort of the big thing for me has been um, not playing the long game with the whole lockdown thing. So not worrying about when it will end, because really we've no control over any of that. So I've been reading a lot of um, stoic philosophy, you know, Mm -hmm. about the Greeks Mm -hmm. and the Romans. And Mm -hmm. I suppose one of the key things that that I've learned really is if you adopt the approach of what you can't control, don't worry about and just control what you can control. So that's what I've been doing myself. And I really think uh, focusing down simply on what you're going to do today and developing a kind of positive set of routines that get you through. That's one thing. And I suppose another thing I've really found interesting is I'm a sea swimmer. And as I said, I live on the West Coast. So um, at the moment, the sea temperature is very cold, but I've been swimming through the winter. And um, I found that really interesting as what it's done for me. It's kind of toughness training, if you like. So it does help to build your resilience, to do something, to kind of more or less force yourself to do something that's hard, but also makes you stronger. And actually, there's quite a lot of enjoyment in it, too, once you do kind of (laughs) get get through the temperature thing. Um, they'd be the main things. Um, and also, I suppose at the start when we we've been in three lockdowns here in Ireland and we're currently in our third one. And, you know, I've been living with um, some of my adult children and, you know, my husband during that time. And one of the things I've really noticed is it's very tough on young people, especially mm. to be in this enforced lockdown where they really never see anyone else yeah. very much. But I've been really struck by their kind of goodwill approach to the whole thing and their ability to just get on with it. Um, and I just I suppose I, I found that very humbling to see that not just in my own children, but in other people, friends, adult children as well. That they've just had a really strong, resilient attitude to getting getting through it, really. Yeah, that's wonderful to know, Trishan. I yeah. I did know that actually about young people yeah. being resilient and almost an acceptance, right, of what's happening. Yes, yes, yes. What is to be healthy from your perspective? To me, it's it's sort of about taking as much control over the your mental and physical health as you can. So, um I think it's about kind of building up, for me personally, it's about building up routines daily that I know benefit me physically and mentally. So, I mean, I suppose 
I read this research all the time because I'm writing about mental well and physical well-being, but mainly mental well-being. Um, so for me, the the big things would be that on a day-to-day basis, it's about having still moments in your life, spending some time in nature, you know, spending some time doing things that give you joy and spending t- time connecting with other people in a, in a positive way. So I think mental and physical well-being are really connected. Um, and I suppose what I'm focusing in on is the stuff that I know about coming from a psychological perspective. So that would be more from the mental well-being side. But funnily enough, a lot of those things also have a very strong effect on our physical health. So one of the things I've been really interested in is the benefits of expressive writing, Mm. um, therapeutic writing. And uh, that has huge benefits for our physical health as well, which is really interesting. And it wasn't something I knew about before I started to study it. But actually um, writing expressively or or therapeutically can uh, boost your immune system so that people who write on a regular basis or even not that regularly, you know, they can boost their immune system so that they're having fewer colds or visiting their doctor less or whatever. They just feel physically stronger, which I think is a really interesting um, byproduct of something that, you know, you wouldn't associate with physical well-being. So you mentioned physical, mental health, and I assume include emotional health, of course. But spiritual health, this is something that we often talk about on the podcast. Do you use those terms in any way, spiritual health or practicing spirituality? I wouldn't use the term in the work that I do, but I... On a, on a personal level, I meditate um, basically every day if I can. And I do really think that um, it, for me, if I, if I was to define it for myself, uh, spiritual health would be a sense of oneness, uh, oneness with nature and the natural environment, and also having a strong sense of both self-compassion and compassion for other people. Um, and I think that's something that we really, maybe it's it's been thrown into sharp relief how much we need that sense of oneness uh, as a planet uh, in this time of the pandemic, because the only way that the whole we're going to get out of this is by worldwide solutions in the form of vaccines and, you know, how each country cooperates. Um, so I think uh, that to me is what spiritual health is about, if you like, is that we, we we have a sense of strong connection with each other on a worldwide basis uh, for the better man, meant of mankind. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience? Um, again, a great question, a big question. Yeah. I guess the longer I live and the more... Um, I sort of become aware of, um, I suppose, the the preciousness of our planet and our life. I, I would say the purpose of life now for me would be that we hand on the world in a better state than we received it, mm-hmm. if you like. Yeah. So the, the purpose for me would be that we we live mindfully while we are here and with a view to 
passing the the world on to our children, our children's children, in a better state. That that to me would be, I guess, what I'd see now as the purpose of life, really. I love when I hear some people say that it's crucial that we take responsibility for ourselves, for our own lives, because that also uh, reflects outward. The more we become responsible for our yeah. own lives, the more we can be responsible for everything around us. So yes, yeah. it goes back to that idea. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? I think that's a great question at this time because, you know, we're all, all of our personal freedom is curtailed. Well, it is here and now where I'm living, you know, we can only travel certain distances and, you know, yeah. other places are under curfew for times uh, during the day and that kind of thing. So we've all probably experienced limitations to our personal, you know, physical freedom to move about and connect and be with other people and that. Um, and it probably underlines what I personally believe about freedom, which is that freedom is really about um, your inner freedom, you know. Mm -hmm. So even if you were physically confined, right. you can be free uh, in your in your head, if you like, or in your in yourself, right. and I I think that's it's been more attuned to that, more attuned to the fact that it's um, it's not the circumstances you're in, whether that's a lockdown or you know even people who are in prison. It's not the circumstances; it's how you respond to that, you know. Yeah. So I've I've been really struck by. Um, People like, uh, for example, Nelson Mandela, you know, who was in prison for 26 years and had absolutely no control over his personal freedom. But yet his favorite poem during that time, one of the lines in it was, you know, I am the captain of my fate, right. you know. So I think that's really interesting that he still saw himself as having um autonomy over himself mm, you know right. he couldn't be curtailed in that way and I think that's really um I, I think in the work that I do that's what I try to do is I think people can sometimes feel hemmed in by their own story about themselves and feel imprisoned by it so for me freedom is that you can in a sense restory your life or um develop a better story that allows you to feel freer not so hemmed in, for example, by a story of depression or failure right. or fear, and that you can actually develop a story that frees you to see things in a better way. Beautifully said. Um, so you wrote the book, Five Ways to Better Days, a compendium of writing and other wellness practices. Two questions initially, Tricia. How did you become a writer and what was the inspiration, intention and purpose of writing this book? Okay. Um, well, I, I guess I've always been, you know, a writer in the sense that I've always dabbled in writing. 
all the way through my life. And, you know, my house is kind of full of notebooks that I've sort of been scribbling in for years. Um, so I've always been a writer. Um, I did do a course in writing about 10 years ago, a master's in writing. And that sort of focused me to start writing. And since then, I've published three books. And the one we're talking about now is is the latest book. I wrote the book because um I had worked as a clinical psychologist for many years. And one of the things that is very striking when you work in that field is how hemmed in people can feel about the story that they yeah. tell themselves about their own life. Right. And um, usually if somebody goes to see a psychologist, they do have some form of negative story about how things are going for themselves. And so they may feel trapped by circumstances or relationships or the past or um, fearful of the future or whatever. But the story often is a very strongly negative one. And one of the things I felt because I was very interested in the whole field of positive psychology, which has come to the fore in the last 20 years in psychology. So that's that field of psychology is really asking the question, you know, how do we stay well and resilient as mm. opposed to focusing in on what's wrong with people, if you like, or what's <laughs> going wrong? Right. Um, and mm. what comes across when you study positive psychology is that it's actually not the very big things that make the difference in people's lives. It's the small things done regularly. And that's why I wrote the book, because I believe that we tend a lot of the time to say it'll all be OK. For example, when the lockdown is over, then I'll be better. Everything will be OK then. Or I'll, it'll all be OK when I meet the, the one, the perfect person to fall in love with. Or it'll all be okay when I, you know, have a family or I move to the country or I go on holidays. And we tend to often put our personal happiness in the future. It'll all be okay when this happens and then I'll be happy. And I wanted to write the book because that's blatantly not the case uh, in our lives. All of the research shows that it's the day to day routines that we put into our lives that actually foster resilience and happiness. And that's what I found to be true for myself, but what I know to be true in terms of the research. So I wanted to put in the book a whole set of practical exercises that people are kind of, as I say in the book, a compendium. It's pick and choose. You could just read some of it and try something out, something very simple. But the whole idea is to make each day a good day, as opposed to thinking long term about your happiness. Just make each day a good day, because all we have, all we're really guaranteed is what we actually, you know, the day you, you wake up in the morning, that's what you're guaranteed. You're not guaranteed months or years. Hopefully that will happen. But none of us are guaranteed that, you know. Why did you choose to become a clinical psychologist? Great question. <laughs> um, you know, I actually don't really <laughs> know why I did. I went to college and studied, uh, among other subjects, psychology and philosophy, and was m probably more drawn to philosophy, actually, than psychology. But I ended up uh, doing a degree in psychology and 
then applying for a clinical psychology course and, you know, got got on the first course I applied for, which didn't happen that often to people. So I, I suppose I was lucky in a way that that happened. Um, I guess I was interested in the field, but I didn't actually know that much about it before I started working in the field and training in the field. Um, but it's been good. I think some Sometimes people underestimate just how stressful it can be in terms of uh, it can be quite draining to work, uh, you know, as a, in a busy clinical field. Like I was working in primary care most of the time when I worked as a clinical psychologist. So that's really busy uh, environment where you're kind of under pressure to kind of see people, you know, quite a lot of people every day. Yeah. Um, so there's no doubt that I found it stressful at times but um I'm glad I did it yes I'm glad you did (laughs) too (laughs) and talk to me about what expressive writing is and also how you integrated expressive writing and positive psychology yeah okay well I mean, as I said, positive psychology is just basically a field of research that focuses on what what are the key things that we can do to make ourselves more resilient or experience more well-being. So that's what positive psychology is. And expressive writing is something that I got really interested in when I started training in the, the area of therapeutic or expressive writing. It's It's a field of psychology that isn't that well known, even by a lot of psychologists. Um, And basically, it's expressive writing is where you're using writing to write about yourself and your life. And so everything about your life. So it's not creative writing in the sense of writing fiction or nonfiction. You're not picking a specific subject area to, to write on. The subject area is your own life basically. And there's been a huge amount of really interesting research on the benefits of expressive writing. And surprisingly, a lot of those benefits, as I mentioned earlier, I think, um, are about physical health. So one of the experiments that has been run over and over again is asking people to write for four consecutive days for 20 minutes each day about a difficult experience in their lives. Usually people pick the worst thing that's ever happened to them. Now, that might sound like a very depressing thing to write about. But what happens over the course of the time that people write uh, over four days is, and that's only for 20 minutes each day, is that they start to make sense of the experience. So by day three or four, they're using words like, now I realize that, or now I understand that. And so they're starting to kind of um, filter the experience through and come to terms with it. And what they found with that particular experiment, which has been replicated hundreds of times, is that people's physical health actually improves from doing something like a simple exercise like that. And it seems to be that it's sort of giving people a way to become unstuck on Mm. something that has really um, had a big impact on their lives, that they can kind of free themselves and come to terms with a very difficult experience. So I just once I started reading the research, I kind of got completely 
uh, interested in it and then became a writing therapist, mainly working in the area of cancer support. And what I found interesting, like I, when I started off working in that field, I assumed people would be writing about cancer and the experience of it. But actually, they were writing about their mothers and they were writing about their weddings or they were writing about their <laughs> relationships and they were writing about absolutely everything else in their lives as well as cancer, but not so much actually about cancer. So mm, it's kind of like right. people, once they're given the opportunity to write, just fall in love with it. You know, not everybody, but quite a lot of people do find it really a wonderful thing to do. How interesting, yeah, releasing the traumas, the negativity or the limiting beliefs, you know. For me, it was the case. And also, like, it sounds like a meditative practice as well, right, Tricia? Reflecting. Yes, absolutely. And one of the um, areas that I write about in the book is called free writing, which, yeah. you know, a lot of people would be familiar with the term, but it's it's often done early in the morning. People find it very useful thing to do. So, you know, you set a timer on your phone for maybe five minutes at the very most 10 minutes, grab a pen and a notebook and just write without stopping, r- without raising your pen from the page for five or 10 minutes. And It does, as you say, transport people into a meditative state where you're no longer conscious of what you're writing. Your hand is almost doing the writing itself. It's absolutely fascinating. And what I always say to people, it's kind of like, you know, when you wake in the morning, you're in a very uh, open state in terms of your brain, if you like, you know, in our minds, we're sort of in, a, in kind of a very slow state where we're not focusing in on things so much, particularly if you don't pick up your phone, and start reading the news. And that's a great time to write because you're in a more expansive mood, if you like, and it allows you to put on paper maybe the fears and anxieties and worries that you have and sort of allows you to get on with your day once you've done that. And what I often say to people is, look, you don't even have to read this back. You can just tear it up. Mm, But at least it's something that's been, as you say, a great release at the beginning of the day. And also, as you say, meditative. It's extraordinary. And you actually mentioned that under flow, one of the keys, yes. you yes. have um, free writing as meditation, right? It really, really feels like it. Um, so I love something else you said. You said in your book, the purpose of writing is to be something useful, a background presence in your life to fall into, to fall back on. I love that. The presence mm. in your life to fall into and back on again. Mm-hmm. How wonderfully written that made me reflect about writing as this very profound and powerful healing tool. Talk to me about the five key areas of positive psychology. So the first one you have here listed is uh, gratitude, flow, the values and goals, and then connections. Yeah, um, yeah that's it, five of them. I love the anchoring practices, Trisha, in your book. It's, I mean, not just well-written, it's just uh, rich. (laughs) I would stay with your book like forever. (laughs) I have to go back to it. It's just so rich. 
Thank you again for the wonderful oh, work. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, in I had written another book on writing and well-being before this, but it was purely focused on writing. But I do a lot of well-being uh, seminars and work with people, particularly in, in the corporate sector. And I know that what a lot of people, uh, besides writing, they're also looking for strategies that they can implement on a day to day basis to make like small things that they can do to make life better for themselves. So that's why I put the anchoring practices in, because they're all based really on ideas uh, from positive psychology, but also um, from my own experimentation, if you like, with what works for me. So what I'm really uh, trying to show in the book is that if you decide to go down this path of trying to make your days better days, then the best way to do it is to start implementing some small changes uh, that you routinely then practice. So, for example, in my own life, um, and again, this is something I often emphasize to people, is having a still moment at the beginning and end of your day. So buffering your day with moments like times at the beginning and end when you come back to yourself in whatever way. So starting the day with a quiet moment, it could be yoga stretches, it could be early morning writing like we were discussing, it could be sitting with your dog, having a cup of tea in the kitchen in the morning or whatever. But it's a quiet moment because what happens, I think, particularly we're all all so anxious at the moment, is we get very addicted to news feeds. So we it's the very last thing we see at night is our phone or in the morning it wakes us and we're immediately reactive into reactive mode where we're kind of, um, you know, reacting to the difficulties in the world as opposed to taking life on our terms. Mm. And I think there's a huge difference in taking life on your own terms by creating a still open space at the beginning and end of the day and then doing with that space something that gives you joy and peace, whether that's meditating or listening to music or writing, whatever. Yeah. And it does sound like simple, like a simple practice. Mm. I mean, yeah. by by knowing yourself, you will identify what relaxes you, what brings you to that place of joy mm-hmm. and center. Mm-hmm. So gratitude is a powerful practice. And yeah. I love the anchoring practices you suggest. Um, spend time in nature, mindfulness, savor the moment, self-compassion, magical moments. I love that too. And the inner mentor. I mean, this is just the topics because you explore them in the book. How do we recognize being in flow? How do we know? I mean, flow experiences a are a key plank, if you like, of positive psychology. And what flow experiences are about is doing something that gives you great joy, but that also requires skill. So it's something that's challenging. So a lot of the time, flow experiences are, they can happen in work settings, but they're also things that people get good at by practicing year in, year out. So it could be a physical activity like a sport that people do, or it could be a creative activity like writing or painting or making music or drawing um, or singing, or it could be something like cooking or whatever. 
it's basically something that requires skill and something that you want to get better at as time goes by. So all of the time when you're engaged in a flow experience, you're experiencing something that gives you great joy, but also you're trying to get to increase your skill level. And a key factor in flow is when you're actually in flow, your experience of time speeds up. So you might be playing your guitar or whatever for an hour, let's say. But when you look at the clock, you you don't realize an hour has gone by because it feels like much shorter period of time. And that's a key um, signal that you've been in flow because your experience of time uh, just literally speeds up because you're doing something that gives you so much joy and you're so engrossed in it. So what a lot of people identify with this immediately and say, oh, yes, I know what you're talking about because I love gardening or I love cooking or whatever. But some people look puzzled when you mention flow. And what I always say to people is maybe there's nothing in your life now, but you might think back to a time in your life, like, say, when you were a teenager or even younger. What were the things that you loved doing then that you've kind of dropped So sometimes people remember then, oh, yeah, I used to love painting. I loved art or I loved singing, but it's years since I did it. So or maybe start something new and experiment and see what does give you joy and what you do want to get more skilled at. Process of discovery, really. Um, So and I love the anchoring, anchoring practices under flow. You have simplify your life and discover what do you want to focus on in a sense of finding joy, right? You give so many suggestions for topics to write about too. It's amazing how creative <laughs> you are. So many. I was like, God, I never thought about this one, this one. And then it kept going. Um, I love your creativity too. Flexible thinking. There was the next one. Flexible thinking. Wow, that's a huge one. How to appreciate other viewpoints and become more tolerant. Do you also connect flexible thinking to patients? Yeah, I do. But I, I think I think it's probably something that we need more in the world than ever before, because we, we tend to be very polarized now in terms of politics and everything else and religion and everything in the world today. Right. So we really need to, to develop this skill, which we're not actually taught that much in school, I think. But to be able to step into other people's shoes and see the world from their point of view. So what I always say to people, if they're stuck in a personal conflict with somebody, you know, somebody they're close to, Instead of writing about that conflict from their own point of view, write about it from the other person's point of view, using their using I, the pronoun I from their perspective. So kind of swiveling to thinking about things from other people's point of view often gives you a very different slant on uh, something that you feel very self-righteous about and that you're right there wrong. But I also use thinking flexibly about emotions that are kind of uh, locking us in. So sometimes I think people feel if they they have uh, they experience a lot of depression or anxiety, they identify entirely with the experience of depression. And one of the things I encourage people to do is to become more distant in their writing by thinking flexibly about the emotion. So let's say depression. An exercise I often say to people is, if you were thinking about depression, what color would it be? Mm. Or what kind of animal would it be? 
or, you know, if what sort what day of the week would it be or what time of the day and starting to write in a fun way on a lighter way about something that you feel very hemmed in by um, or even giving it a name. Uh, there's an interesting book that's been written by an Irish writer about his anxiety and depression and he calls the book Me and My Friend Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeffrey is the anxiety. Yeah. But even uh-huh. doing that creates a sense of control or distance. So Jeffrey isn't you. Jeffrey is what, you know, your anxiety, but it doesn't define you. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I yes. think that's a very interesting yeah. way of, very interesting perspective. I love the um, some of the anchoring practices you have under flexible thinking, becoming a tourist in your own life. <laughs> that's an interesting title too. And then deeply listening. That's another yeah. one. So important. Yeah. So we don't have a lot of time to go through all of them. You have uh, the next one, um, values and goals, mm. which you have, um, you mentioned um, stillness, doodling, dreams yes. to live by. Um, would you like to make... Um, Quick comment to talk about the last two, Tricia. Yeah, I think with values and goals, it's basically about, um, in a way, creating a clearing in your life so that you can think about what you really want. And it's interesting in the current pandemic, I think a lot of people have had more time to really think about what's important to them. So I, I, I find here in Ireland, people are doing that now all the time. They're working from home. They're realizing they don't want to commute anymore and they can have a much simpler life if they move from the city they're living in with high expenses and move to a simpler place and maybe a different quality of life entirely. So I think that's interesting when we have clear space, when we're not doing so much, we're not rushing around so much, we actually become still and we begin to filter down to what's really important. So that's what goals and values is about. It's kind of listening to the beat of your own drum, if you like. What is it that really is important to you in the end of the day? Um, not so much what society tells you is important, but what's important to you True. in terms of success. And then with connection, it's just about um, having a sense of connection with other people and all of the research in psychology is really interesting. The only big long term research that's been done, um, the biggest long term research that's been done was done. And it's called the Harvard Grant Study. And it's going on now for 80 years, but it's the longest study that's ever been done. And as the people in that study got older and older, the thing that mattered in terms of their personal happiness more than any other factor was their ability to connect with other people. It it was their connections with their partners, their children, their friends as they went into old age. That mattered more in terms of their resilience than any other thing. So I would say of all of the things in the book, probably connection is the one to place uh, the strongest focus on, really, because it does seem to drive our long term happiness more than any other thing, really. Yeah, and it they're does. all important, though. Under the uh, anchoring practices of, for connections, you have one that made me laugh. You said, you are never fully dressed without a smile. Yeah. <laughs> True. <Yeah. laughs> and Absolutely. And again, you know, the research stands up on that, you know, <laughs> that just literally changing <laughs> your face, uh, you know, to, to increase a smile or to, to have a smile, it just changes your, your head as well, you know, so just... True. Change their perspective. What a great reminder. Now, every time I get dressed and I leave the room, <laughs> that's what I do. Oh, yeah. 
I just remembered this. What a beautiful reminder for all of us. <laughs> Thank you, Tricia. <laughs> I have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Um, no, I'm 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 okay. There there really isn't anything uh, I want to add uh, except just hopefully people do take that perspective uh, on board about you know just focusing on the days as opposed to complicating it by thinking about your whole life. Just make one day a good day, and then the next day follows. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just as you say, focusing yeah. more on the moments than the big long term game. Yes. That would be the big thing, really. Three questions, final questions. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I don't think I'd focus too much on career success, really. I think what I would focus on in terms of success is that I live my life well with the people whom I love and, you know, that I fulfill my purpose, if you like, in terms of what I want to do with my life. Um, and also that I live lightly on the planet. So I'm kind of very conscious of that now that I do my best to do that. And I suppose, too, that I would look back and think that in terms of when I need to fulfill a duty, so maybe caring for older parents that I was there to do it. So I think sometimes we don't talk about that too much, the whole sense of duty in our lives. But it is an important thing, an important skill and thing to kind of be be present and aware of. So I'd hope that success for me would be that I, when I needed to, I, I did do the things that I was called to do. And two questions, last ones. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? I think I would probably just intensify my sea swims. <laughs> <laughs> Walking. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I suppose one of the things I really feel very strongly about is that all of the best things in life are free. I mean, I know it totally. And so I probably wouldn't be changing too much. I'd be doing what I what I do now, but I'd just be probably doing as much as I could of it, you know, really savoring every day and living it, you know. Yeah. I think that's what yeah. I would do. What are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Well, that last one that I mentioned there, the best things in life are free, are free. I absolutely know. The second thing I suppose would be that thing I've mentioned several times now, but just that we, I do feel that we have a real responsibility uh, in terms of the earth and taking care of it for future generations. So I know that's important um, and we just have to do it. We have to take responsibility. I suppose the other one would be what we've talked about all through here, Valeria, which would be not to to link well-being to what what you already can do, simple, small things, as opposed to linking it to huge changes. So not always thinking it'll all work out better if I do this in the future, but instead just doing it now, day to day. So they're the things I think, really, I can't think of anything else off 
hand, but they would be things I, I know for sure. Thank you so much again for your presence. Thank you, it's been lovely talking. Yeah. Thank you, Trisha, for your sharing your wisdom, your purpose, your beautiful work. Thank you again and again. Thank you. I do have one more technical question. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Okay. So I have a website, uh, patriciamcadoo.ie. That's uh, .ie, the Irish website, uh, patriciamcadoo.ie. And my book is Five Ways to Better Days. And that's available, you know, in on Amazon or any of those, you know, those book websites. So can be bought there if anyone is interested. Yeah. I'll have the link on your podcast profile too. Thank you. Thank you so much again, Trisha, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Valeria. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Patricia McAdoo and her work, please visit patriciamcadoo.ie. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.